Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets banned. This is episode 29, and tonight we're going to be covering everything that happened at Horror Hound Weekend in Indianapolis. Well, the first day of it anyway, because that weekend was so chock full of crazy, it ain't going to fit in one episode. There ain't enough lube or poppers in the world, baby. So, in addition to all the drunken debauchery and public humiliation and embarrassment, Bradford and I are going to find out what it's like to be a sex worker being stalked by a killer with a lethal obsession. And then we're going to find out what's in the burgers at the Roadkill Cafe when we check out Cyrus, Mind of a Serial Killer. But wait, for those of you who weren't in Horror Hound Weekend, you get to take a peep inside my nightmare closet, and you get to find out why I can't go to the YMCA without thinking of Sam Elliott in The Legacy. But wait! There's more! If you call right now, Betty and her husband Durwood are calling in a review of the Ozploitation monster flick Primal. You know what? Why don't I stop talking about it and let's just start doing it, baby. Uh, right after a promo for a fascinating podcast. Hi, I'm Zombie Hunter Tony, a bit of a modern day renaissance man. In fact, I'm the author of Kings of the Dead. And I'm Coffin Nail Neal of No Real Fame. Over at Wasteland Wanderers, we discuss all manner of things, from how to obtain and purify water, to what is safe to eat, and even a little discussion on firearms. You know, it was very common back in, uh, you know, the, the, the late Western days uh, to carry a rifle and a pistol that were chambered in the same caliber. You know, that way you didn't have to worry about, you know, which one is my 45 long colt round and which one's my 30-30. You know, you had one of the same. And you see, while there may not be anything special about us, we do have a passion for survival and a keen interest to further our education. Zombies. Yeah, of course, we also like to discuss everyone's favorite shamblers. No, zombies at your 3 o'clock. Oh, shit. Wastelandwanderers.com. Just a couple of guys out to save the world. Hey, everybody. It's so great to be back and recording for you guys again. It hasn't been that much time since the last episode, but good lord, so much has gone on. I mean, not just Horror Hound Weekend, but there's been, of course, other drama going on, which, of course, I have to share the juicy bits with you, because that's what this show's all about. Scary movies and juicy bits. Before we get too far into this episode, I want to say a huge welcome to all the new listeners who are here, thanks to... Uh, either meeting me at Horror Hound Weekend or, or picking up one of the Scream Queens postcards that I pretty much slathered everywhere. It's great to have you here. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Just so you don't panic, I open every show by chattering about my life and my relationship and my dramas for about 10 minutes or so. And then we get into the scary stuff. So don't worry, we'll get to the scary movies really soon. But first we have to deal with scary me. Mwahaha! <laughs> oh, and before I go any further, I want to send out a huge thank you to Jeff Pappas, 
aka Crazy Lawnmower Guy, for doing the artwork and the new logo that is on the posters. And it's going to be up on the website soon. I know Mr. Brad's working on it, so you can all see it. Uh, but I'll be posting a picture, and it's really awesome. And people seem to really respond to it because, like I said, I left them out all over the place. And I knew they threw stuff out at the end of the night every night. So, you know, at like 10 o'clock, I'd like walk around and like pick up whatever was left over. And really, I came home with almost nothing. So they all went. Yay for us. And yay for you who are listening now because of it. And Jeff, super hooray for you. And you are one of the contenders for Scream Queen of the Week. I hate to keep you in suspense, baby, but there's a couple of people who really stepped up this week. Who will it be? Only time will tell. Now, before I leave the topic of Horror Hound Weekend for a little bit and get into the more fascinating topic of me, I just wanted to say I had a change of heart about this particular episode. My initial impulse was to dedicate the whole thing to everything that happened in Horror Hound Weekend because it's so much. And as I'm doing it, it just turns out it's, it's, it was going to be really, really long. And I thought about years when I was not able to go to the convention and I listened to some of my favorite podcasts when they were covering it. After a while, I got bored because I wasn't in on the fun. And I thought, do I want to put my listeners through that? You know, I gave you guys homework to keep you entertained while I was gone, but do I want to rub it in your face for hours and hours and hours? Well, yes, I do. And also in that innuendo kind of way, but that's not the point right now. So sure, let's rub it in your face for a couple of hours, but then I realized there's so much else going on in horror right now. There's so many cool things. Do I just ignore it? Because, you know, with like shows haven't been coming out as frequently as I would like, therefore... I mean, it might be weeks before I get back to this stuff. So I said, you know what, Patrick? Why don't you just spread it around a little bit? I said, you know, you're right. So what I've decided to do, I'm going to do a regular show. I've got, I've, I'm going to do a regular show. I'm covering some, um, I've got a crapshoot DVD. I have got one from the Nightmare Closet. And then maybe I'll spend an hour or so talking about day one of Horror Hound Weekend. That way, the fun can get stretched out, and it's not a one big overload. And therefore, if you're not there and you don't give a shit about Horror Weekend, you can still be entertained by us. Me. Us. Anyway, prepare to be hearing about Horror Hand Weekend for a really long time, but, um... Like it, love it, it's the Queen's decision, and therefore it's law. So let it be written, so let it be did. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, you want to hear something scary about me? Okay, get ready. Fireside chat, everybody find a seat. I'm on the subway the other day, coming home from a rehearsal with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus for the summer concert that we're starting. And, you know, I'm wearing my big leather jacket, so I'm looking all butch and scary. And I got my, my little knapsack, which is neither butch nor scary, but neither the point. And I just, you know, casually scratched my nose. And when I took my hand away, I realized, oh, look at that. There's a big, crunchy booger finger sticking up off of my knuckle. Pointing back at me accusatorily, like, j'accuse, j'accuse. You know, a good half an inch... One is kind of all crusty, but has just enough wetness to make it go, like, like form a base on my knuckle. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of cover it with one hand. And I'm thinking, I don't have anything in my pockets. I think I have something in my bag to wipe it off. And I go to get something out of my bag. And as I do, I guess I jostle that finger. And I knock the booger across the subway car. And I don't mean it plopped to the floor. I mean, it like I lobbed it across the subway car. It was like, pew! Right under the tip of this woman's shoe. Yeah, and it seemed to take that long, too. It was like total slow-mo. Homo slow-mo. And we were coming up to my stop anyway, and I just said, keep looking at the floor, 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 keep looking at the floor. Meanwhile, my mind is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Those tonight, New York City. Because somewhere out there roaming the streets is Madame 
buggy foot. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, that was stupid. Now, some of you may remember that I got called in to audition for 30 Rock a while back for a one-line role. Well, the episode finally aired, the one that I didn't get the role for. And it was the one a couple weeks ago with the reality show about... Tracy's wife, and there was that scene with, with Susan Sarandon and Frank throwing his um, old action figures into the deep fryer. Well, I was supposed to be the uh, diner manager with the blurred face who came over and was like, oh my gosh, you can't throw stuff in the fryer, blah, blah, blah. And um, the line had been completely rewritten, which is not surprising because the initial line was rough to get through. His line was all about, oh my gosh, I want to release so you can unblur my face. Whereas mine was more complicated and rather strange. And I can see why they didn't go with it. But you know what? Had I gotten the role, my face would have been blurred out anyway. And none of you would have believed it was really me. So let's pretend it was me. Wasn't I great? Please write in and make sure that, that my character comes back. No, don't do that. That would be a stupid waste of time because it's not really me. But tell people that it is. Only you know the truth, listeners. I don't want to get bogged down in too much theater stuff like I did last time, because, God, I listened to the last episode, and that first half hour, I'm just like, blah, 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 theater, blah, 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 me, blah, 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 theater, blah, 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 me. Well, I just got one more tidbit. The Lower East Side Murder Mystery, the show that I was performing in last summer, is starting up its second season. For the, So those of you in New York, get ready to get some tickets, because you better come. Although I have to say, regarding this project, I was in for quite a shock last week. Now, I've been in rehearsal for this for a couple of weeks now, and we're opening... On Saturday, April 16th, which at this moment is four days from now. I found out a week ago that the title had changed completely from last year. Last year, it was called The Lower East Side Murder Mystery. Those of you who have been listening know that I you know, I bombarded you with promos for it every goddamn week. So I was all ready to do that again. They're like, oh, that's not the title anymore. It's called The Ryan Case, 1874 now. I said, for reals? And they said, yeah, I'm, uh, okay. Not for nothing, I don't think the new title sums up at all what kind of a show you're seeing, but, you know... That's just the marketing guy in me. Whatevs. Whatevs. So you want to hear the new trailer I've done for it? Of course you do. You don't? Too bad. You're hearing it anyway. Ha! Can you solve the Ryan case? The Dead of Night, 1873. A scream. A cry of murder. Two innocent people slain. And a killer never found. But that's where you come in. The Ryan Case, 1873, is an interactive murder mystery where you are the detective. Time Out New York calls it CSI in the 1870s. For more information or to order tickets, visit www.liveintheater.com or call 212-780-4787. I know, it's not as dramatic as it was last year, but hey, this is pretty dramatic. I've got a special offer just for you, my screamers. If you're going to be in the New York area, we're running all summer long. So if you want to come see the show, head on over to that website I mentioned, liveintheater.com. And when you order your tickets, you use the code LSPR25. And you're going to get 25% off your tickets. Oh, yeah. Scream Queen Love. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So come, goddammit. You have no excuse. We had our first dress rehearsal this past weekend. For those of you who don't know, we do it outside. It takes place in the 1870s. And, you know, the, the audience plays detectives and they have to find us and, and grill us and stuff. So, you know, it's a dress rehearsal. So I'm sitting at my super secret spot at an undisclosed location. And I know there's going to be a hitch. I know it's going to take longer than usual because it's a dress rehearsal and there's all these problems and it's not running like a normal show. I wind up sitting in this in this undisclosed location on a bench for a good hour and a half. Now, normally when we do the show, we're wearing three layers of wool and it's 90 degrees in July, but now it was just cold. It wasn't freezing cold, but where I sit normally is cool in the summer. It's like 10 degrees cooler because of this wind tunnel. Therefore, in the spring, 
This spot was really fucking cold, but that's really not the point right now. I'm sitting on this bench. All of a sudden, this squirrel just hops up next to me on the bench and is looking me dead in the face like, sup? And I'm looking at him like, hi. Because I'm thinking either I'm going to have this magical Disney-esque experience or I'm about to have my eyes ripped out because he's gone rabid. So he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I just say, uh, I don't have anything for you. And he kind of tilts his head. Then he tilts it the other way. And he goes, whatever the noise they make and then he just turns and sits facing forward right next to me on the bench and he stayed there the two of us just looking out at the world passing us by a man and his rodent on a bench in new york city i said this is um not quite disney-esque but it's better than having my eyes ripped out oh and part of me was really wishing that that squirrel would stay there long enough so that when the group finally came by that were coming to grill me when they did finally come by i'm sitting there with this squirrel like hey what's going on you got questions for me? You got to go through him. <laughs> Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but he did stay for 20 minutes. I'm like, all right. Another time, I'm going to have to tell you how I'm king of the rats in that particular location. But that's a theater story for another time because I've already talked enough gay theater stuff. Ooh, let's talk about gay gay stuff. Yay! Oh, I got some big news for you guys. I got an email from a filmmaker who's currently developing a documentary series for the Logo channel about, about LBGT podcasters, of which I'm one. Well, I'm not all of those letters. I'm a G. I'm a big G. Hey, how you doing? I'm the big G. It sounds like a mafia name, but that's besides the point right now. So he sent me an email and he's like, hey, we're interested in using your show, perhaps. Are you interested? And I'm like, um, now let me see. Um, yes. So I'm supposed to pick an episode to send to him to give to the producers of Logo to listen to to find out what I'm all about. So of course, I'm like, they're all genius. How can I choose? But I think I've narrowed it down to two. And now I'd like your help. I'm either going to send them episode 19 or episode 20. Episode 20 is when I discussed that freaking piece of crap, Red Hook, and ripped it a new one. And when Brad and I went to see the evil puppet show, The Fortune Teller. And I like this one a lot because it's really gay. Now I talk about a lot of gay stuff. I'm on mark with my humor. And it shows nice interaction between me and Mr. Brad. And it's got a little bit of naughty and a little bit of nice. I think it's a nice blend. And episode 19, on the other hand, is not so funny. It's the one where I reviewed my dark obsession with visiting hours uh, with Michael Ironside. And also, I talked about that movie Grim Love where the two gay guys ate each other, literally. And I want to do that one because I think it's really insightful and shows me more at a different, at a different, just at a different wavelength. You know, here's the super intellectual, here's Mr. Big film critic with theories and, and, and theorems and I don't know whatever else. Uh, my other reason for wanting to go with these two episodes specifically has to do with the music. And I'm going to stress the words the music and say them in a weird tone. And hopefully you'll figure out what I mean from that. And if not, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, it's 19 to 20. You guys help me out. Do I go for bitchy, funny, and oh look, I have this adorable relationship with Mr. Brad. Or do I go for bitchy, funny, and look what a smart film reviewer I am. Write in, let me know. I'm going to set up a survey on my Facebook page. Because seriously, wouldn't that be neat? To have me in this show, on TV, spreading the word to all those little scream queens out there who don't even know they're scream queens yet. Letting them know that there's a safe haven for them to come home to. Come home, children. All are welcome. All are welcome. None of you are getting a tiara, but sure, come on in and enjoy the damn show. Let's move on. Oh, I got to see Rubber the other night. The movie about the, uh, the, the killer tire. I'm not going to talk about this this week because I got a shit ton of other movies to talk about. But I just wanted to say, I'm not saying it's good. 
I'm not saying it's bad, but I can honestly tell you I have never, ever seen anything like this movie. Make it that what you will. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, it is unique. I'll also say this about it. Horror fans, this is definitely an art film with horror overtones. It's not a horror film with art film overtones. I think it's going to be a divisive movie. You know what? Just fucking go to see it. Support independent cinema. God damn it. It's an original fucking idea in the movie theater. Anyway, I got to tell you what happened while we were there now. Uh, I had gone with the New York City horror movie meetup group, as I mentioned. And for some reason, when we got there, we all split up. Like, some people want to sit in the front. Some people want to sit in the back. And, you know, it's a straight guy thing. I guess none of the guys want to sit next to each other. So, you know, we've got three guys in, this, in a row. But the three guys somehow are taking them the whole row. Anyway... This group of people come in behind us, and I'm eavesdropping on their conversation, and I'm realizing that it's one of these girls' birthday parties, these two blonde girls in their 20s, and um, the rest of the group who had brought the birthday girl and her friend to the movie did not tell her what she was seeing. Somehow, they kept her from seeing the marquee. She didn't know the title of the movie, and she didn't know what it was about. So she's like, why? Why would you tell me what this is about? What am I seeing? Oh my God, I hate this theater. It's just boring foreign films. I'm going to hate this. It's going to be boring. Why would you tell me what it's about? God, just a hint, just a hint. And I'm eavesdropping. And I turned to the guy next to me in my completely evil tone. And I said, so excited for the movie? He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how often do you get to see a movie about chicken people in the theaters, right? He's looking at me like, what? And then I saw him, it dawned on him what I was doing. He's like, fuck yeah. Have you seen the trailers? Those chicken people are fucked up. And then we wait. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. It took about 30 seconds before I heard whispering behind me, honey, is this movie about chicken people? It is, isn't it? Oh my God, I can't believe you took me to see a movie about chicken people. What does that even mean? Muhuhaha. And so for the rest of the time, up until the movie's starting, she keeps asking about chicken people. Then the movie starts, and they're just showing this empty expanse of desert. And she's like, oh my god, is this the chicken farm? Where are the chicken people? And then a good ten minutes into the movie, she goes, is this going to be about chicken people or not? I'm like, this is awesome. And I was laughing so hard. And for making me laugh so hard during the movie, girl whose birthday it was, who thought we were seeing a movie about chicken people, you... Our candidate for Scream Queen of the Week. Like I told Jeff Pappas, there's a lot of you this show, so you're just going to have to be patient. Just remember, though, if you ever see a motherfucking chicken person coming, you just shoot it in the fucking head. Yo, you just shoot it in the fucking head. That was such an in-joke that three people out there are getting that. But you know what? They're laughing really hard. The rest of you should have been there. Anyway, you know, I said I wasn't going to talk about theater again this episode. But all right, just one quick thing. Bradford and I got uh, comp tickets to go see Rain on Broadway, which is that tribute to the Beatles that has been apparently touring around as well. And uh, it was good and everything. No, you see, I come from Fireside Chat. I come from a household of Beatle maniacs. My brothers and sisters are all considerably older than me, and they were all prime target age for Beatlemania when it was happening. So this was instilled in me from birth, pretty much. And it's timed out kind of oddly. Well, not oddly, but... Uh, my older sister, Teresa, was diagnosed with malignant uterine cancer last week. And to be seeing this show at this time when she's going through all this, uh, she, she just started chemo. Uh, she's scheduled for surgery the same day that... The, the prince that the royal wedding's happening and um so i didn't enjoy the show as much as i might have just because i was thinking about her because it was her in particular who gave me the beetle bug uh i remember when i was a kid she took me to see she took me to a beatles convention a beetle fest 81 i think it was she bought me a t-shirt while we were there it was a t-shirt a blue t-shirt and it had a picture of the leader of the blue meanies on it from yellow submarine and it had a big logo on it that said stamp out fun i fucking love that shirt i wore that shirt 
all the time. And none of the other kids anywhere had any idea what it was. Like, that shirt's stupid. Why do you want to stamp out fun? What is that ugly blue thing? So I got picked on for that. I wore it anyway. But you know what? All these kids, if they saw that shirt now, would be like, oh, you know, all grown up. to be like, oh, my God, that's the most awesome shirt ever. And I said, damn right. My sister got me that. So, um, Screamers, if you could spare my family and my sister in particular some good thoughts and prayers and energy, I would really appreciate it. Sorry to bring the show down, but now back to funny stuff. So speaking of Logo, I was watching this morning, they had, I DVR'd this documentary they did called The Adonis Factor, and it was just about gay men's obsession with beauty and perfection and this, that, and the other thing, and ugh. I'm watching it, some of these queens just who are so obsessed with themselves, like, oh, I only surround myself with gorgeous people, and if you're not gorgeous enough, I can't talk to you, and everything in my life has to be perfect, and I have to have the most expensive things. I'm like, you shallow pieces of crap. I can't believe you, queens. You make me sick. I gotta go to the gym right now. Yeah, I, yeah, okay, fine, fine. I'm gay. We have to go to the gym. It's the law. Anyway, so I go to the gym. Now, I'm not happy with my gym here in town. Uh, you know, because where we are, there ain't no Equinox gyms. There's no crunch. There's no, you know, big highfalutin fancy schmancy ch- chains. We just got some sweat hut that I have to deal with. And I hate going over there because a lot of the machinery is often broken and it's a death trap. Like, I remember the first time after I paid my dues, I was in there. I was using one of the pull-down bars and the weight plate was cracked. So I pulled down once. The two sides of the... The weight plate just come crashing to the ground, and I went zing across the room. Yeah, hilarious, but I could have died. Did the management care? No. Should I have asked my money back? Yes. Did I? No. But anyway, I'm there today, and I go in, and I'm getting changed in the locker room, and I put my stuff in the locker, and I close the door, and I realize there's no latch. In other words, there's no way for me to open the locker now. There's no, the little silver thing that you pull up is gone. You know, I'm trying to stick my finger in the hole and move it around, try to hit something. Okay, that sounds like I'm doing a prostate exam, but okay, I'm doing a prostate exam on the locker, and it's not working. And uh, one of the guys in there's like, hey, you have to go, that happens all the time, you got to go to the front desk and get a screwdriver. Okay, in my neighborhood, there's a lot of, either, either you're Latino, you're gay, or you're Romanian. So this was a Romanian guy. And uh, Anyway, so I go up to the front desk to ask for the screwdriver. Now, there's this woman up there that I've had a run-in with before. She's only there on Sundays. And I see that it's her. I'm like, oh, fuck. And I'm like, okay. And I try to explain the situation. I'm like, hi, I just put my clothes in the locker, and there was no latch, and now I can't open. She's like, well, you've got to buy a padlock. I'm like, no, no, no. I, this, no, it's not it nothing to do with the padlock. She's like, no, no, no. You just can't go put in your clothes in the locker unless you have a padlock. It only cost two or three dollars. You got to put the padlock. I'm like, no, 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 ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. That's not the problem. Even if I had a padlock, I have a padlock. There's no place to put the padlock because the latch is gone. And now I can't get my clothes out and I'm going to have to go home naked. She's like, what did you give you a screwdriver so you go in and break it even more than it is? No, absolutely not. You just got to go to the hardware store and buy a padlock. I'm like, okay, bitch, hold on now. Give me the goddamn screwdriver. Eventually she gives me the screwdriver. I go in, pip pop. It opens right up. I get my clothes. While I'm in there, not one, but two other guys are like, hey, can I borrow that screwdriver? I can't get my door open either. So clearly this is a chronic condition. So I get the screwdriver back, and I'm like, oh, by the way, there's other people in there that are having the exact same problem. You might want to fix your equipment. Fix your equipment. And she starts rattling at me in Spanish, and it's rapid fire, and it's really angry sounding. So I'm assuming I'm getting my face chewed off and covered with obscenities. Now, I'm an idiot. I took German in high school, so I'm like, um... Got, I got nothing except from what I learned on Sesame Street. And so she's just going on and on and on and on and on. And so I walk over to the door and I 
open it up, and then I turn around, and I look her in the face, and I say, no, hey, Pedito Esto, which means I didn't order this, which had absolutely nothing to do with the situation, but I just felt okay ending the conversation with something in her tongue. But I was so fucking angry. Ugh. Fueled on by the fact that, like, an hour before I went, I got a pre-recorded call from her on my voicemail saying, Hello, it's not time for your membership to review, but how about you come in and we give you a great deal on a new membership? I'm like, fuck you and your new membership. You are forcing me to be excluded from other gorgeous gay men on the planet because you can't fix your lockers. Bitch. But anyway, this other run-in that I had in with her that was just as annoying, but quicker. I go in on a Sunday. It's 3 o'clock. It closes at 4. I walk in at 3 o'clock. She goes, we're closed. It's three o'clock. We're closed. No, but you say it's the science is your particular. No, we're closed. You don't have time to do nothing. I'm like, I'm doing cardio. I'm going to be done in 20 minutes. Nope, no time. You're closed. And she's like, what's the matter? You don't speak English? Serrado. I'm like, oh, no, she didn't. I said, excuse me. She goes, Serrado. I said, abierto. So she goes, Serrado. And I said, abierto. She said, Serrado. And we said, abierto. And it went back and forth and back and forth. I suddenly realized I was trapped in some vignette from Sesame Street. And I stormed out in a huff. Which I often do from that place. So fuck this woman. Fuck you, owner of Total Fitness and Karate. For hiring this bitch. For not fixing your equipment. And from keeping me from sweating into the oldies. So I'm pissed. I kept storming back to the apartment. Boom, 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 boom. Blah, 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 blah. But Mr. Brad is sleeping. And I'm like, rah, 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 rah. He's like, why are you talking like the penguin? And I give him that glare like, mm. He's like, oh, okay. You want to just go to brunch? Calm down. I said, Ooh, brunch, because, you know, hey, one gay church is as good as another. If you can't go to the gym, go to brunch. So we do, and it's lovely. We have a nice time, and we have Bloody Marys. And on the way home, the most remarkable thing happened. We're walking along the street, and these two little girls are passing us. You know, one girl's running, and the other girl's, you know, a good you know, 20 feet behind her, just skipping. And the one in front, she passes us, and she turns around and yells to the one who's skipping. And she goes, hurry up, hurry up, you're losing the race. And the other girl just keeps skipping. And she says, you know what? I don't care if I win or lose the race. I'm having too much fun skipping. And I looked at Mr. Brad and I looked down at the back of the little girl. And I'm like, a girl. There's a life philosophy for you. I don't care if I win or lose the race. I'm having too much fun skipping. Eat that, Dr. Phil. Put that on a fortune cookie and stuff it down your bib. Okay, that's enough about me. Let's get to the fucking weekend, shall we? So let's put on some spooky boogie music. So put on your spooky boogie shoes, because it is about to get wicked. Beware of the blob. It creeps and leaps and glides and flies across the floor. Right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a splotch. Be careful of the So as many of you already know, Horror Hound Weekend is a huge horror convention that went down over the weekend of March 25th in Indianapolis, and I was in attendance, as was many, as was pretty much the rest of the horror podcasting community. And there's movies, and there's celebrities, and there's all kinds of panels about everything, and it's a whole mishmash of so many things going on, it's going to be really hard for me to talk about. But um, I'm going to have some friends coming in to help us out, uh, some surprise guests. 
along the way. So it's going to be extra fun. Um, I'm probably going to be all over the place, but stick along for the ride. I'll make it worth your while, baby. I can't just dive into the convention. I got to tell you a little bit about what led up to the convention. Well, now Mr. Brad was going to be joining me for this convention, as he always does. Bless his little monkey heart. And, well, let's just say Mr. Brad doesn't travel well. Traveling with Mr. Brad is always a source of stress. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a fact. It's, 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 well, it's just the way it is, as he always says. But, you know, we planned this year. We planned this year. We're like, we, we, we uh, started doing stuff early so there wasn't last minute packing. All the loose ends were tied up. We had the taxi arranged and everything that needed to get done beforehand got done. And, you know, we're taking off a day early. So on Thursday morning, they try the, the taxi arrives right on time at seven o'clock in the morning. There's no traffic on the way to the airport, and I'm like, this is great. We whizzed through the security. Nobody wanted to give us a cavity search, unfortunately, and and we got to the gate with plenty of time. And then the flight was delayed, and delayed, and delayed, and delayed, and delayed, in 10-minute increments over the course of four hours. So it'd be a 9 o'clock flight, and um, we didn't leave till afternoon, which sounds like only three, but, you know, we got there at eight, so we're just watching over the course of four hours. Shut up! Don't ask me to do math. I'm, another, I'm from the other side of the brain. But even through this, everything's cool. We're both mellow. We're playing with our new phones. I'm reading my book, Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry, which I'm enjoying. At the end, it turns out for our patients, we're going to be given a free one-way ticket to anywhere that Air Tranny flies. Yeah, we flew AirTran, and I've flown AirTran before, and I tr- fly them all the time, actually, and I can't believe it's taken me all this time to make the AirTranny jokes, even have it, like, occur in my head. But I guess that's because of all the non-stress that was going on. But once we got on the plane, Mr. Brad needed to take his Xanax, which is fine. That's, that's how it is. Now, I don't know how many he took, because what happened on the flight may have been a result of the number of Xanax that he consumed as we took off. Otherwise, I don't know how to explain why he got up and started accosting the flight attendant. You know, he's, he slides up to her. She's going by, and he's, he's all, like, slurring. He's got drool coming down the side of his mouth. He starts poking her in the shoulders like, listen to you. I got something to say to you, okay? You, who do you think you are? Yeah, you come around here with your cart, and you think you're the boss of everybody. I'm an American. I pay my taxes, and I deserve a second bag of pretzels. And I'm like, honey, sit down. She's a federal agent. You're going to get arrested. Meanwhile, I'm like, why isn't my camera out? Uh, okay, and the fact that none of this actually happened doesn't really matter because the flight was so boring, I had to make up some sort of incident. Now that I've said it on the podcast, and I told pretty much everybody at the convention that that's what happened, it's true now. Mr. Brad got high on Xanax and cursed out an air tranny flight attendant. That's the power of the media, folks. Watch it sizzle. What am I saying? No, because last year on the flight, we at least were amused because there was a dead woman on the flight. Well, not really. But this woman had fallen asleep, but she'd fallen asleep, and her she'd slumped completely over her armrest. So her head was hanging in the aisle. It was just this big mess of hair hanging in the aisle, and it just looked like she was dead. And you know what? There's video of all that. I was able to take video of a lot of the convention last year, and I will post a link to that in the show notes because it is amusing. It's a movie about horror hound that actually... I mean, that actually covers nothing about a horror hound, but it is an incredible account of what it might be like for you to live the Mr. Brad and Patrick experience. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure you guys can go see that. So we pick up the rental car without a hitch. Now, the thing is, I told you that story with the stewardess wasn't true. 
the, the, the encounter wasn't true. However, the Xanax was because we were going through the airport. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Indy airport. When you're going towards the uh, – there's this tunnel with a moving walkway uh, between the main building and the air uh, – the uh, car rental space. And as you go through, there are these lights above you that follow you. You know, they're sensor activated, and there's just these little colored lights that follow you as you go through this, go through this, go through the, the walkway. Now, we've noticed this before, the last time we were there. But now Mr. Brett's fast, and he's like, those lights are following us, Patrick. Whoa, how come you got a blue one and I got a red one? Whoa, mine's red now, and yours is blue. Wait, did I have a blue one to start with, or did I have a red? And I'm just like, honey, honey, please, just shh, shh, shh. So you pick up the car without a hitch. I kind of remember where to go because we've been there before. But he's tr- he's trying to give directions with his GPS on his phone. And he's just like, everything on his phone is in 3D. No, you should turn left here. There's nowhere to turn left here, honey. No, you should have turned left back there like a minute ago. Why didn't you say anything a minute ago? What? Yeah, so it was like that. But that actually happened. So we arrive at the La Quinta, the fabulous Marriott La Quinta, which, by the way, La Quinta is Spanish for the Quinta. That's my big La Quinta joke. I use it all the time, so get used to it. I'll probably make it seven more times during the show. Anyway, but as we're checking in, who do I run into? Lord Blood Rock. Now, I'm already traumatized from the flight and the traveling and Mr. Brad and the Xanax and the delays, and Lord Blood Rock's checking in. He's like, Patrick? And I'm like, Bleh. He's like, hey, it's me, it's Lord Bloodron. I'm like, oh my god, it's so nice to meet you. I'm trying to smile, but I'm so tired, like my lips are just going blah, 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 blah. So it was not the f- best first impression. If you don't know who Lord Bloodrot is, I have a link to him in the show notes. You better go check out his stuff on YouTube, and you better go check out his radio shows that he's putting up through the Jumpkin Zombie podcasting network. And it's really a shame he's doing that, because, no, it's not a shame he's doing that, but it's a shame that he's associated with them. It's because they put out a show like once every six months or something like that, and he's really good. He puts out these old-time radio shows once a week now, and it makes them look like they're actually putting out content. So he's contributing to their lie. Best horror podcast, my ass. So that was pretty much the excitement for all of Thursday. Even though it's only about two o'clock now, I'm done. I'm done for the day. We got dinner at the steakhouse down there, the Texas Roadhouse, which we had gone to the first year we went, and then the second year we went, the place had burned to the ground. But now it's back! And just as tacky. But now they know how to make margaritas because I got drunk really fast, but probably because I was tired. But anyway, we were both in bed pretty early, which is fine because the rest of the weekend was going to be crazy. Okay, so as I talk about Horror Hound Weekend, I would be remiss just to talk about it by myself the whole time. So, to help round out the full story of the weekend, I am proud to introduce the inevitable Mr. Brad. Patrick, it's good to be back with everyone. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> okay. You shut up. I, it's my show. Shut up. You shut up. This is great stuff. Anyway, um, you had some stuff you wanted to share about the pre-stuff, about the journey in. And... 
Well, this is our, our what, third time going to Indianapolis? Maybe it's the third time. It's the third no, time. No, it's definitely the third time. It's the time. third time. Because, for some reason, flying in and out of Indianapolis has always got some issue. Yes. You know, the first year, you got to fly back, and I got to stay the extra night. No, that was the second year. The second year Mm -hmm. was when we had to return the car. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I decided to have a nervous breakdown because I was going to be trapped again. Yeah, yes, you're right, that was fun. And then had to, like, go through all sorts of security because I was sweating out bullets. See, I mentioned before, folks, travel for us can be stressful. I rest my case. And I'm in that case. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. And then what happened this time? We get to the airport and we're immediately told our plane is going to be delayed because of mechanical problems on the arriving flight. Mm-hmm. Nothing like making me, you know, whew, excited to go yeah but and it then, didn't make you freak out either we were both we were both very we calm were, the whole time cool. and you were playing with your your thing and i was playing with my thing our phones and ipads not our things our pads our gadgets our doodads doodad oh, so doodad, aside from that, the trip, oh doodad yes. oh do podcasting gold ladies and gentlemen yes yeah, so I, I, I said aside from the delay the trip in was pretty uneventful yeah, and we got to the hotel. No dead woman on the... On and the... we immediately got to check in. And because it is such a great place and there was nobody else there, we got our choice of rooms at the La Quinta. And, you know, what does that mean? The Quinta. Exactly. See, I told you that would get repeated a lot this show. And then we got to go have dinner. And we got to go to one of my favorite places. Last year, it had burned up. Uh-huh. Completely down to the ground. Brad's fault, by the way. Yes. Then it was rebuilt. I told him not to let light his fart at the table. Still crowded as hell. But it was the Texas Grill Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. And I just have to say, it was no PJs. Yes, it was no PJs. Yeah, but the one thing about our room at the La Quinta, yes, we did have our choice of room, and it was on the side of the hotel that we wanted. It was really close to where the, where the convention was going to be, but it turned out to be a handicapped room. So the bathroom had all those bars to help you around stuff. and I'm like, The jungle gym. The jungle gym, if you will. But we discovered over the course of the weekend... That when you handcuff Brad to the jungle gym, it makes a lot of noise. Well, yes, there was that. But there was also the discovery that well, the toilet seat... I don't know why a handicapped toilet seat is like six inches thick. Okay, th- this is very undignified for me to even bring up. But it's hard to poop on one of those things. Brad said it first, and I had a very... No, I said it first. No, you went in and sat down, and you talked about how your feet dangled. My feet were swinging like Shirley Temple, like... On the good ship, lollipop, and... Uh, all I could think of was little Tomlin in the, in the big rocking chair. Yeah, going... yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then you laughed at me. You like, ha, ha, ha. And then he was in there before. He's like, oh, my God, it is hard to poop in here. <laughs> And, I'm thinking, man, and I should... realized that even a poop stick would not help us. Okay, but that's another show. You know, They don't know what a poop stick is, and you guys don't need to know what a poop stick is. It's not a dildo, by the way. Anyway, so yeah, that was pretty much the first day. Nothing like the first day last time, full of trauma and weird women in the, in the, in the lobby, but we've talked about that. So it's the day of the convention. And Bradford slept in late, had a nice breakfast brought to the room by his honey. That's you know, me. 
a waffle and a cinnamon roll. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't even have to hear about Charlene and her hair. Yeah, well, you guys will have to watch the Horror Hound video from last year that I'm providing a link of in the show notes to find out about Charlene. Because she's worth the trip over to YouTube. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> oh. so, so nonetheless, we had the, the great breakfast. Then we got there. Uh-huh. 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 No, no, no. Mr. Brad is sleeping. So I have to go out and do all the shopping. You know, I got to go out and get the groceries for the weekend, the booze, and the lunch. Booze. Yes. So I should never have left the hotel because the whole trip was just disastrous. So, you know, I go out in the rental car and I go over to the Kroger. You know, and I buy, you know, chips and stuff and soda and mixers and whatever, what have you. I buy three bottles, uh, two liter bottles of Diet Coke. And I get to the register. It's one of those <laughs> self-checkout things. I forgot about this. Yeah, well, I didn't. I do this self-checkout thing. No big deal. We have them at home. I'm zipping through. The thing that confused me was that the bagging area was on this carousel thing. I hadn't seen one of these before, and there was some skill to it. Because, you know, one bag would fill up, and you, had to, you weren't allowed to take the bag off. You had to spin it around. And I overstuffed one of the bags. The one I put three, the three soda bottles in one bag. I spun it around, and they just flew off, landed on the ground, and all three of them exploded. And I don't mean just like started leaking all over the floor. I mean three of them were sunflowering, like sprinklers, just spinning. It was awful. And you know, one stands there, and one wonders what it's to do. Should I just walk away and prevent somebody else did it? But I can't void out my sale. Clean up on all checkouts. Yeah, Clean up on all checkouts. I'm mortified as it is. And the woman, I'm just like, I'm sorry. And she's like, well, just go get another few bottles of soda and continue ringing out. I'm like, what? I'm like, shouldn't you just void this out and I can go to one of the humans? And she's like, no. <laughs> so I go get three bottles of soda and I come back in shame. And they have the janitor guy there putting the puke stuff on, on all the soda. And it's, it's pounds of it. It's bags of it. But it's all right in front of where I'm trying to check out. I'm like, she's like, well, check out. I'm like, the man's there. She said, well, check out. So I'm trying to check out around the poor janitor, like reaching, trying to. It was ridiculous. It was like a game of Twister with this man. So I can continue my checkout of shame, which I finally do. And I was embarrassed because like, I bought beer. So I had to get carded too. So I had to go back over to that woman. I'm like, I'm sorry. You need to check my ID. She's like, well, hold on a minute. I'm on the phone. <laughs> I'm telling everybody in town about the disaster you created for us. I have alerted the police <laughs> to make sure you were never allowed to our, into our fun establishment ever again. But anyway, but anyway, so I'm leaving and I'm thinking, well, this can't get any worse. Ha ha ha! Thunderclap, ominous thunderclap. And I get out there and I walk over to the cart and I, I pull up uh, to the the passenger side. You know, with the cart, and I look at the windshield, and it's cracked. Dum, dum, dum. I'm like, son of a bitch! What the hell happened to my windshield? And I'm thinking, was that there when we we took the rental car out? Oh fuck! Am I gonna have to pay for this? And I'm thinking, well, I have to ask Brad. Brad was on the passenger side. I'm like, oh fuck! Brad was rolling on Xanax and couldn't take his eyes off his goddamn GPS on his cell phone. He's not gonna know. He'll be like, I don't remember. There's a reason I had to use the GPS on my cell phone because yes, some people keep going. I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to be driving at 90 miles an hour, but I don't know where I'm going. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm panicking. I'm panicking. And then I notice stuff in the back seat. I'm like, where did those stuffed animals come from? This isn't my car. I'm trying to open the car next to my car. Luckily, it wasn't alarmed. So I'm like, you know what? I hope this is a security camera. I can get my... I'm like, I'm in Indianapolis. I can get shot. I don't know what this neighborhood's like. 
there's, there's roadhouses, so people might be gun happy. Right, so I just pack my stuff up and I leave. I go to the liquor store and meet the friendliest worker in the world. As soon as I get in there, I'm like, hi, can I get a bottle? And he's like, are you with the horror convention? Yeah. I could just tell. I'm like, oh, so I'm ugly. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to leave that part in. <laughs> no. But he's making you up. You got a car. He's making all this conversation. He's just like, oh, I think it's just great for our economy. It brings in so much business. And I wish I can get over there and see it, but I got to work. Oh, and I'm like, can I just get my fucking booze? Anyway, I get the booze. I go out to the car. And I'm sticking the key in the door. And I'm like, why won't this turn? Why can't I open this door? Dum, dum, dum. Because it's not my car. <laughs> Again. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. So now I got to get him his lunch. Because Miss Thing can't get her ass out of bed. So I go to the Arby's. There's too much of a line to drive through. I go in, pick up the food, get everything into the car. Cat. Cats love podcasting. Get everything into the car. And as I'm pulling out, I get cut off by this big van that was going to the drive-thru. And they start honking the horn. And they roll down the windows. And there's these two 20-something girls in there. And they're pointing and they're smiling. And they're waving and they're pointing and they're smiling. And they're mouthing stuff at me. And I'm like, what? going on i'm looking at them going do i know these girls no i don't know these people oh i figure oh they must recognize me and they're just saying hello i just don't know who they are yet so i'm waving like hi hi how you doing egomaniac hi how you doing and i'm driving back to the hotel and i'm thinking i'm a badass and literally on the radio, I was listening to some oldies station, and they're playing "Bad to the Bone," like "Da na 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 Bad to the Bone," da da na na. So I got the window open, I got my arm out, I'm like, I am badass. And then I get to the hotel, I get out of the car, and I stand up, and I realize that my drink container was on the roof of the car, and the girls were just trying to signal that I did not cause an embarrassing accident in the middle of the highway. Now, what's more hilarious to me. It's the fact that you drove all the way from the Arby's. It's on the corner. It wasn't back that far. to the hotel. And the drinks were still on They were top still of fine. Hey, safety girl taught me well. Even when it's non-alcoholic, I don't spill things. But yeah, so I'm my, my day's not starting well. But anyway, the convention's finally starting. Uh, I go over, I register both of us, and that's cool. We get a little wristbands, and the freaks are arriving. Yay! So I'm starting to see people. I see, I think the first person I run into was Stewie D from the Obscure 80s podcast or Wrecking Crew Radio or whatever the fucking show they're doing is now these days. God, you said Wrecking Crew and the cat knocked over. The yeah, how about that? Ha ha ha. And he was standing out in the parking lot with uh, Steve from uh, JFMP, which is uh, just another fucking movie podcast for those who don't know, and his lovely wife, Lisa. And I took the opportunity this time to present Stewie D with a very valuable prize. See, I obtained for him and certain other select individuals over the weekend some swag from the premiere of Mega Python vs. Gatoroid uh, that I went to and covered some episodes ago. Yeah, I remember those big buttons I told you about that we got that said either Team Tiffany or Team Debbie? Well, I scarfed up a whole lot of extra ones and I gave my first one to Stewie. And he wore it with pride. He probably spanked to it later. But, you know, Steve was jealous. But I gave him a butt plug, so it was okay. Butt plug? Yay! In joke, we'll explain that later. And anyway, Brace and Brad finally joins us, and I wanted to catch the first movie of the day, which is a movie called Lethal Obsession, which sounds like a Lifetime movie to me, but that's besides the point. Uh, I don't really want to see it that bad. I saw the trailer, and I didn't think it looked great, but however, it had our friend Marv Blauveld in it. 
And he started his own production company as well called Muscle Wolf. This is not a Muscle Wolf production, but Muscle Wolf specializes in muscle boys. And they realize that they cater somewhat to the gay community. They don't necessarily make gay movies, but, you know, they have really hot men being all muscly and stuff in it. And I figure I would be a bad gay podcaster if I didn't go to something that Marv and his studio was somewhat affiliated with. And I'm flying solo because Brad is dealing with pussy problems. And, um, but before we go in, I run into Mike from the Cadaver Lab and they, and, and Stewie as well. And they're kind of on the fence about going in. The woman who, uh, started it was, was tooling around pe- trying to get people in. And the woman is smoking out. She's got a great ass. It's hot redhead. You know, redheads are all, all hot by nature. Am I correct, Mr. Brad? You're very correct. I know and I'm she's correct. Got big boobs. Big boobs and a nice hot ass. Big titties and lots of ass, as Carmen the lecture would say. Um, great big titties and lots of ass. And a ginger, nonetheless. Yes. Well, I, I, they're like, ah, oh, she's in the movie. We don't want to see it. And I said, oh, well, uh, she plays some kind of sex worker, so she probably gets naked in it. So they're bolted in. And the funny thing about Mike from the Cadaver Lab, I always make fun of him, teasing him that he's a big closet homosexual. Just because every time I run into him, we have weird gay encounters. Like, the very first time I met him was at the first Horror Hound. And I met him because he stuck, well, he gave a business card to Slug from the Slugcast to stick down my ass crack as I was bending over a table and apparently my ass crack was hanging out. So the only logical thing for him to do was to stick his business card down it. And I got a paper cut from it. So I always joked that Mike from the Cadaver Lab met me by splitting my ass open. <laughs> Hilarious. And, you know, his show is him and him and the other guy, I don't know what the fuck his name, they're always talking about their junk and each other's, each other's junk and making out. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I met him. I'm like, hey, Closet Case, how you doing? And it turns out he's wearing a T-shirt that advertises the movie The Deadly Spawn. You know, Metal Mikey, who's also there. We're like, oh, yeah, we love that movie. Even though it's about killer sperm from outer space. And Mike goes, oh, fuck, they do look like that. So he's like, oh, so I've got a shirt that's covered. That's, so now my chest is covered with pink sperm from outer space. I said, that's right, homo. So it's time for the movie to start, and they're having technical problems, because really, what is Horror Hound Weekend? Without a few technical Without problems. lots of technical problems. And they can't get the um, projector to work, so eventually they wheeled in a, what, like a 14-inch television for us to watch it on? Well, it was slightly bigger. I don't know how big it was. I, I You know, a little... 32-inch LCD or something. Yeah, he's but... the size queen. Anyway, shh, shh. But I said, well, this isn't very classy, but then again, neither is the movie. So the movie, you know what? Let's take a listen to the trailer. Spending relationships outside of working for your work camps. Were they friends? Were they lovers? Did they even know each other? Each girl has their email address listed on the site. You know, I don't run a dating service. What these girls do on their own time is none of my concern. I don't even know anything about these girls. They send me the information, needed to send them a check. They uh, make me money detective. And in turn, I send them money. So, in case I'm not making myself clear, this is a business. It's not about slumber parties and pillow fights. Miss Waters, don't you realize that two girls, two innocent girls, were brutally murdered for working for your service? Innocent detective? I don't think we're talking about the same girls. Did 
doop, 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 doop. Okay, so if you didn't gather from that, uh, Lethal Obsession is about uh, a, a sex cam site called uh, ObsessionCamera.com or something. It doesn't matter. Some sex cam site. And uh, Sounds like you're saying uh, sex camp site. Yes, it's no. sex camp. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Be sure to bring a towel. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it's a sex webcam. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm not enunciating properly. And uh, the, the the girls who run the, uh, you know, who rent out the, I don't know how the fuck this place works, but it, the girls basically that work there are getting killed on camera one by one. And um, naturally, since it's happening on cam- camera, all of a sudden subscriptions are through the roof. Hits are going crazy. And it's a mystery. Who's the killer? Well, I mean, the film kind of opens up with this one girl getting ready to show her tits to the camera. Oh my, okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. This was like the longest opening scene ever. She's getting ready and it's just not sexy at all. The thing is, I'm just going to say this right off the bat. For a movie about sex workers, it is about the most unerotic thing I've seen. It is not a tinge of sexiness at all to it. Or naughtiness. It's just bleh. So you know, this, this blonde girl, she's getting ready Whatever the fuck she's putting on. It was weird because she was in her panties to start with. She was on the phone like, oh, I gotta go to work now. And then she started putting clothes on. I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. But she's putting her hands underneath her breast. Hold and on. pushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to talk about this because, I, you know, I'm, I'm bu- I noticed this. Well, <laughs> it was kind of hard not to notice. What surprised me, this was a very... This girl's tits were a lot more freaky than I expected them to be. You know, she whipped out, she, you know, she finally starts a camera and she pulls down her, her bustier and she's got like freaky chesty LaRue tits, like big and floppy. And apparently whoever she was on camera with wanted her to flop them around. So she like puts them together and jiggles these weird floppy tits. And I was like, ah, it was the only genuine scare. In the movie for me. Well, way to go with giving it all away right up front there, Patrick. Well, it's in the first three minutes. It is a front. I'm, I'm spoiling the shit out of this movie, by the way. So just get ready, because it's not that good. Uh, no, it's not good at all. But um, anyway, she gets axe-murdered by this androgynous thing in black wearing a mask with makeup on it. And um, the people watching think it's a joke. And, you know, they, she sits there apparently for days. And people just logged in looking at a dead bitch with an axe on her head. Like you do on a sex cam site. I don't know. I know nothing about those sites. That's more his thing. Lo and behold, though, the police arrive, investigate the scene, and I have to say, the sergeant guy, the main detective, Mm -hmm. bald head, Mm kind of beefy, kind of sexy, Mm -hmm. wore the same suit the entire I didn't notice that, but yeah, I think he did. Okay, the thing is, this is, I have to give them some slack, because it's an ultra-low budget production, and it's their first film company, whose name I just forgot, Dark Rider Productions, it's their first film, you gotta cut them some slack. Which I do. I mean, hopefully the next movie. I, clearly this was the labor of love. I don't have a movie. They have a movie. I didn't hate the movie, but it's not good. There was a lot of fun looking for cheap things, like Brad said, the suit. But there were funny things like continuity problems. There was a scene in the woman who runs the sex cam office where she's being confronted by the police. And he's standing by the door. And every time they cut back to him, there's a different potted plant next to him. You know, it's it's a fern, and then it's a ficus, and then it's a it's a palm tree, and then it's like a lily. <laughs> What's going on? Well, we have to give him an applaud for at least remembering that there was a plant. That there was a plant of some kind. I guess the plant kept dying. I don't know. Uh, of embarrassment. <laughs> um, 
I kept getting confused, though, when they started showing the front of the building. Because they would show the front of the building for the sex uh, workers' uh-huh. office, and the front of the building. And it was from a different camera angle, but it looked like the same front of the building to be the police station. Well, every, you know, see, the thing is, every, a, yeah. It was generic, so it was like generic building. Generic building. But the thing is, all the rooms, the indoor shots were generic room. They were all pretty much the same room. Like, everything looked like a set. Like, it looked like it was built, like, with really thin... Except for the police lab, which looked like someone's apartment. And it was somebody's apartment. Okay, this is the police technical lab, and around the top on the walls was border trim. You know, is that what it's called? Yeah, border trim. Border trim paper with waves on it. You know, like you have in the crime lab. You know, you see that all the time. <laughs> and my grandmother's bedroom. Exactly. I'm like, well, you know, you gotta cheer the place up a little bit. Why not? Well, maybe it was a police force from a small town. Uh, it says it was a seaside resort town, perhaps. But it wasn't. It was in Kentucky somewhere. I don't think Kentucky has an ocean. But anyway, back to the story a bit. The wo- it's all this question of who's doing it. Is it the woman who runs the place? Because, you know, she's making a fortune off of all these new subscriptions. And the girls keep getting killed on camera. And, you know, the more girls, the more girls get killed, the more money they're making. Is it this Frico guy who has no other connection to the story except who's constantly in his room wanking? Apparently has well, left his room. Yeah, I mean, in this, in the, I guess what we would say is kind of the third scene where after the police have come in and started the investigation... We immediately jump to someone's apartment, and we find out that it's two people living together. One of them uh, is clearly they're asking bro- the other one. They're brothers, yeah. It, were they brothers? They're it brothers. It, it wasn't clear to me, because there was a kind of There was a kind of homo thing going, going on, on there. there. I think they were like adopted brothers, because they started talking about mom and dad at one point. But anyway, well, they it, look it's nothing it, alike. It's the wanker guy whose name I don't think we ever had, and his roommate Brad. Brad. So I already knew we were in trouble with this guy. So, so yeah. So Brad was the redhead. I thought Brad was the murderer. Brad was the murderer. No, I'm sorry. You're right. Ah! I'll let him know. You're always right. Yes. You but, heard it here, everyone. Ladies but you know, know they, they were trying. You to, heard it here. Yeah. Patrick's I'm always editing, right. I'm not editing that at all. Okay. You know, they, I think they were doing their best to make a giallo kind of thing. It just wasn't working. One of the problems with it, like I said, it's not sexy. And because um, these girls would be just about to start getting sexy. You know, they just start their camera and just sit down and they're about to start their routine and immediately get killed. So you don't even have a couple of moments of titillation. Not that that's what I'm there for, but that's what a movie like this kind of needs. That's what you need to sell it. And it never happens. And the, the killers were... Kind of boring. A couple of them were not. There was one involving a whip with fish hooks on it. That was pretty nasty. And then there was the point where I was ready to leave the movie. I turned to Brad after this point and I said, I'm done. And he was like, no, no, let's stay. I like a kitty. One of the murders involves this middle-aged woman who you literally have met for two seconds. And she's like, oh, my husband's gone for the evening. I got a surprise for all of you out there watching. And she starts digging in this box. Now, we have this joke with the folks over at I'm Not Here to Make Friends. A reality show podcast, which if you're not listening, you should. Every time on a reality show, when they're like, so you want to know what you're playing for? Our collective answer is always, it's a dildo! <laughs> so the question would be... Do you want to know what your reward is? It's a dildo! <laughs> and the prize package including dildos! So I turned to him and said, it's a dildo! And then she opens it up and guess what? 
It's a dildo. It was a dildo. Of course, she didn't get to use it because immediately gets pulled away from her and he beats her with it. And I'm like, oh my God, did we just see a death by dildo? But no, she just got knocked unconscious by it. And I said, that is some dildo. But then it got, it had to escalate it into area I didn't enjoy. He whooped out this thing. I don't know how to describe this implement. It was like, Brad says it's like a plane, like a planer for wood. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know if it had been modified or it looked like possibly like the row of things, you know, the row of staples that you put into a staple gun messed with a planer. Anyway, it was a really bad thing with lots of sharp pointy things everywhere. And he shoved it up her hooch. And I said, that's not nice. That's not nice. And there wasn't a lot of gore in this movie and there wasn't a lot of close-up stuff except for that. So I'm like, well, at least it's not exploding, but I didn't. It kind of crossed the line for me. And I'm like, you know what? I don't like Marv this much. Because by the way, up until this point, my favorite thing about the movie is that Marv's playing not the main policeman, but like a guy who shows up every now and then. Every time he showed up, I threw my arms in the air and went, Marv! And everybody would turn around and look at us. But Mr. Brad wanted to stay. Well, I felt like after an hour or something, we couldn't... The movie was going to end up, and I didn't want to leave and find out how it how it didn't resolve. Yeah. Because it looked pretty obvious what it was going to be. Yeah. But if it had a twist, and then people started going, oh, you missed the best part at the last five minutes. You missed the last five minutes yeah, of the best yeah, part. Yeah, right? yeah, right. I don't like to walk out of movies, but this one crossed the line with me. It was too early in the weekend for this, and I just, oh, but we stayed. Yeah, we, did, we didn't know that this was going to be an insurance. A, a, a weekend where instead of exploding, it was all going to be imploding. Yeah, or yes, or just shredded. Julianne the vagina. Ew. Also makes Julianne vaginas. Uh, but okay, spoiler territory. It turns out it's the wanker guy's roommate because he hasn't been spending enough time with him. He's spending too much time wanking to the site and not enough time with him. And I turned to Brad and I said, why is it that in movies, the asshole character is always named Brad? And he just said, I don't know. I said, no, I don't want you to stay to the end. It's some weird Brad connection that you got. And you're like, oh, I want to see what Brad does. Brad's going to be bad. You can't spell Brad without bad. That's what it's about. And I'm trying to look at my notes that I took because I was taking notes in the dark and they're pretty much illegible. But I'm kind of amused at some of them. I wrote wiggly toes. I have no idea why. I think that was talking about yourself. Yes, it was me. I was just like, oh, I have such wiggly toes. <laughs> I mentioned the same wallpaper. Oh, because, yes, the wave wallpaper actually showed up in another scene, but it was the rest of the wall. I'm like, oh, look at that. That victim has the same wallpaper as the police crime unit. I don't know if it's because we're gay that we notice these things, but I couldn't miss it. Oh, I'm at the pot of plants. Uh, bullshit ending. Um, oh, this was, this, was, this was something that I liked. This was something that I liked. When the wanker and Brad are having this confrontation, you know, he's covered in blood. He's got a knife. There's dead people around. And he's like, Brad, what's the matter with you? You're wearing a dress. Because like I said, the killer's kind of androgynous and dragon. I'm like, that's your big problem? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wanky. Yeah, so, so it turns out that, that Brad mm -hmm. uh, decides to kill the dirty his, roommate, girls. his roommate because the voluptuous girls are destroying his... Uh, Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so... It's a Brad thing. You wouldn't understand. It was not a good movie. I didn't hate it, hate it, because, you know, I was amused by it, and I wouldn't recommend it, but apparently a lot of people were violently opposed to it. Like, I saw Mike from the Cadaver Lab afterwards, and he was ready to strangle me for suggesting that he go in and watch it. And, you know, that's kind of what it's all about sometimes. 
ruining the weekend for somebody else. Any final thoughts? Nope. Me either. Marv! Marv! <laughs> <laughs> So I'm back here with Mr. Brad, and we're just uh, continuing our discussion of day one of Horror Hound Weekend. So we just came out of Lethal Obsession, and there was not a hell of a lot of time until the next screening, which I did want to see definitely, which was a movie called Cyrus, Mind of a Serial Killer. Now, while I was checking in, the guys in front of me online made a joke about it, that it should be called Miley Cyrus, Mind of a Serial Killer, and I thought that would be awesome. Because she already has two personalities. Like, which one is the killer? Is it Miley? Or is it Hannah Montana? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, no, no. It's Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, it's Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, nobody else thought it was funny the entire weekend. But did that stop me from repeating it over and over and over again? No, absolutely not. I'm still repeating it now. Are you laughing? <laughs> not you. Them. Are you laughing? You better be laughing. Anyway... I don't remember what we did in between. There wasn't a hell of a lot of time. However, I did have a celebrity urinal encounter. I'm really good at those. I seem to attract celebrities when I'm in the bathroom. So yeah, I was in, I dumped into the bathroom next to the screening room. And so I'm peeing, you know, like you do at the urinal. And um, I look over and I just glance over at the guy who just came in next to me. And I'm like, huh, that looks like Daniel. Now Daniel is Bradford's ex. Are you going to speak at all? Yeah, I just, uh, I'm not sure what to say. It was like, okay, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. Well, I'm just saying. But, I'm a, okay. So I did it. Daniel, a, my love. Daniel. <laughs> I did a double take, and I started peeing again. I'm like, huh. Oh, my God, that's Kane Hodder. And I look back over. Kane Hodder, Bradford. Who is Kane Hodder? Bradford's giving me the I don't know who that is look. Brad, all of you know, but let's educate Bradford. Kane Hodder is the most popular of the guys who played Jason in the Friday the 13th series. Oh, okay. Yes. And he's always here. He tends not to be a very nice person. If you take a picture when he does... Rumor has it, anyway. I've never seen this, that if you try to take a picture of him that hasn't been authorized, he'll snap you like a twig. So now I realize I'm peeing next to Jason Voorhees, and he's staring at me while he's peeing. He's giving me the Jason face while I'm trying to pee. It wasn't fun. <laughs> was it a mama thing? I don't know. I don't know. what. I just know my thing was not peeing, is what I'm saying. But, see, I, I, was, I was glad that this happened because normally when I'm at Horror Hound Weekend, my celebrity urinal encounter consistently is Doug Bradley, you know, Pinhead from the Hellraiser series. Because he's been there every time we've been there, both in Cincinnati and the two times, three times, no, two times before at Indianapolis. And I guess we're on the same bladder schedule. Because every time I went to use the urinal, about a minute or so after I got there, up would pop Doug Bradley right next to me. Maybe Mr. Creep just wanted to see your stuff. Maybe he did just want to see my stuff. But you know what? It was cool at first. Then it got funny. Then it got creepy. And to be perfectly honest, I was expecting when I got home to go into our little bathroom here, start to do my business, and have all of a sudden Pinhead step out of the shower and be like, Hello, Patrick. Time to play, Patrick. Time to play. I'll rip your pee-pee apart. But anyway, they didn't happen this year. So, I, But I got Jason instead. So that was intimidating. 
Anyway, it's time for the next movie, so in we go to see Cyrus, Mind of a Serial Killer. Let's take a listen to the trailer, Bradford. You think? Okay. Okay. I'm standing in front of the Featherbone Bar. This is the last known place that Vicky Alvarez, Tina Holt, and Chloe Estang were last seen on that fateful spring night of five years ago. Hey, mister, is this place closed? Their disappearance and that of over 200 other Easter State students still remains one of the most perplexing mysteries of our time. So, what do we got? Some local claims he knows what really happened. Nutcase? Probably. It's Maria Sanchez with Last Steps. So you want to know about Cyrus? Cyrus. Cyrus Downs. He didn't have any skills to speak up, but one thing he could do. If they're in that box, they're gone. You're next. I'm sorry, I find that a little incredible. And don't change the truth. Stay tuned for our exclusive interview with the best friend of the County Line Cannibal. Hell to pay. My goodness, did that sound like a scary trailer or what, Bradford? It was scary. It was scary. Very scary. It was very scary indeed. Very, very scary. Very, very scary. Okay, that's a review of the film. Thank you for joining us. No, 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 no. While we were still at Horror Hound Weekend, I sat down with the crew from Night of the Living Podcast, as well as the guys from Bloody Good Horror, and we all talked about this then. Now, they didn't particularly care for the movie. So, my true opinion did not come out, because I didn't think, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, too. And you got swayed when everybody was there talking to you, and... No, I did not get swayed. I let them talk, and I made my opinion known, and they just, I did not get into an argument with them. I stated my points. So, if you want to hear that review, both shows... Put that in, uh, put that review out on both of their uh, feeds, uh, so you can find that at notlp.com or bloodygoodhorror.com in whatever episode they're covering Horror Hand Weekend. You want the real dirt on the movie? Here it is. Sit down. Okay. Now, if you didn't get this from the trailer, the story starts with Danielle Harris. You know, Danielle Harris, who's in freaking everything these days. But anyway, she plays this assassin. Well, she's not a news reporter, but she's working for a show. It's like a 48 hours mystery kind of thing. Yeah, unsolved mystery. Yeah, unsolved, unsolved mystery. Crimes. Yep. And um, she's come to the small town. She's investigating the... Uh, there was a serial killer on the loose in this area forever. There's been over 200 disappearances over the years. Her show is called Last Steps. And from what I gather, the show's concept is they try to figure out the last steps of murder victims. You know, what they were doing just before they died, that sort of thing. Try to recreate that and maybe solve the case that way, I guess. Right. Well, and I think it's missing, not just murder cases, but missing people because they, I don't think they've proven that any of the girls were ever killed. Yeah, yeah, they haven't. No, the girls were never found, but I think they, they're presumed dead just dead. because there's yeah. been so many disappearances in the air. They said there's over 200. So they're investigating these three particular girls who were the last people to disappear, and it's been quiet for five years. So they got a tip. They got an anonymous tip over the phone to come... Hey, come to my farmhouse, and I'll tell you exactly what happened to those three girls. So her and her cameramen go out there, and the house belongs to Lance Hendrickson, you know, from Pumpkinhead and Aliens and, you know, another guy who's in frickin' everything. 
and he sits down and tells them all about Cyrus. How Cyrus has been killing all these people. When you start to look at, listen to him speak, you start to wonder, did he actually kill these people? Yeah. And he reaches behind him, and as they show in the trailer, he pulls out this box, opens it up, and it's the driver license, driver's license of all the missing people. Hundreds and hundreds of driver's licenses. Because Daniel Harris and her, her, her dude, they're like, yeah, who's Cyrus? That's all you got. You have no proof. He's like, you want proof? Here you go. And that's it. He throws them out, and he's like, they're like, well, we can't just leave it at that. We can't just leave it at that. So they arrange another more private interview, provided the cameras aren't running, which they are, because, you know, that's how news people are. And he starts to tell them the story of this guy, Cyrus. He used to live there. The movie gets kind of hard to talk about because it's flashbacks in flashbacks. It goes back and forth in time. Different actors are playing Cyrus. But basically, Cyrus was this presumably mild-mannered guy who married this slutty red-haired wife, you know, because it's always the redhead that causes the problem. Basically, she cheated on him the day he was opening his dream restaurant roadside stand thing that he always wanted to open. He caught them, he caught them doing it. He murders them both. He kills their baby and, for some reason, turns them all into hamburger and serves them as burgers at the roadside stand. Right, and all, all of the townspeople come up and start to eat the burgers and they continue to come by. And I guess it creates a demand for more meat. Yeah, so you think you're setting like a Sweeney Todd thing here, but they don't really focus on that at all. Uh, and like I said, it keeps jumping back and forth in time. You see him as a kid with his mom, Tiffany, Tiffany Shepes, who's always awesome, and she's treating him horribly. But then later on, in the more modern stuff, he's played by Brian Krause, who you might know from the TV show Charmed. He was one of the white lighters or whatever, but I know him from that movie Sleepwalkers. Cop kebab! I don't really want to get into the plot too much because if you really want the plot and the story, you can go listen to those other reviews over at Night of Living Podcast or Bloody Good Horror. I want to talk about some of the stuff that they had problems with and the cats are fighting in the background because cats love podcasting. God damn it. Now, uh, the guys over, the, the NOTLP guys and, and Bloody Good Horror, they, Bradford, they said it was confusing trying to figure out what time was when. Did you have a problem with that at all? No, not really. I was, it seemed like it was very clear the present time when mm-hmm. they, they came up for the interview. Yeah. Uh, he started talking about Cyrus, and that was very clearly a long time ago, 20 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, much younger actor. It was a different color. Um, film stock. Yeah. Film stock. Yeah, the lighting was very golden toned and all that stuff. Yeah. And then it started to move forward in time, and... You know, I, the actor got older, changed. Uh, I would say if there was, there if there was a time of confusion, it was only if you looked at the very recent uh, murders. Yes, yes, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, I had no problem with it. Just I know I was going to bring it up, or nobody was going to listen to me because they were all in their schnar zone. They're very smart people, so they live in their head. But so I'm surprised they didn't catch this. But there seemed to be like visual cues to tell you what time you were in. Um, like when it was, when Cyrus was a little boy, it was very dark, almost just candlelit, like just tight, tight scenes like where, where the dark was just creeping in on. Right. And, and, and like the film stock had actually started to darken like yeah. old, old home movies. Yeah. And the, the stuff where he was a young man, everything had this like Waltony type golden tone thing and the modern stuff and modern nurse stuff had that gritty, more handheld cam yeah. cinema verite style. Um, the other thing they had a problem with was just that they said things were so corny. The acting in the flashbacks was so 
corny, so two-dimensional. My response to that was, I thought it was supposed to be. I did too. I, I thought, for instance, that uh, when he started talking about her being slutty, yes. it was like the way he remembered her and also kind of the way Cyrus would have remembered yeah. her, which led to that, were we talking to Cyrus or are we not talking to Cyrus? Yeah. Yeah, well, you don't know who the hell you're talking to, but you know whoever you're talking to is not unreliable. He's an unreliable narrator, and you know that the whole time through. So my take on why everything was stilted in the past and why I kept changing tones and look, and sometimes it would become a comedy, is because this guy's spinning a yarn. It's like I said on the other shows, it's like Prairie Home Companion. You know, there's a lot of truth to the story, but there's a whole lot of blarney in there as well. Also, everybody was very two-dimensional, the slutty redhead character she she thrusts her bosoms out all the time and she twirls her red hair and flips it and giggles and that's pretty much her entire character and that's fine because it's this is not really happening you're not seeing things how they really happen you're seeing that through the eyes or the filter of the unreliable narrator i had no problem with that yeah and he and he's definitely trying to convince you that basically cyrus did this because he had no choice uh-huh he had no choice but to kill these girls because they reminded him of his slutty wife. He needed to make money. Yeah. He had no yeah. skills, no talent, no yeah. education. Well, they never really said much about money after the after the beginning, because like everybody, like there are lots of unanswered questions, and a lot of it is just answered with like uh, right after they opened, people were really hesitant. The townspeople were really hesitant to taste the roadkill burgers, but once they did, they were so delicious that they didn't care about the ingredients and nobody bothered to ask ever again. And that line kept getting repeated over and over again and nobody bothered to ask ever again. Well, that's my southern way of saying we don't want to know. Yeah. All in all, I thought this was a really... I enjoyed this movie because of the tonal changes and not really knowing what was going on. Plus, Lan Hendrickson turns out to be a great storyteller. You got, got, you got all wrapped up in this whole fairy tale sort of thing, this dark fairy tale... My beef with it, well, it turns out that the actual title of the movie was just supposed to be Cyrus. But it turns out last year, another movie came Cyrus, uh, named Cyrus came out. You know, the one with Jonah Hill and, um, I don't know, other people. Whatever, it was more mainstream release. So this one had to change the name at the last minute. So, as Schnorr said, by sticking that on there, the mind of a serial killer, you're immediately making a comparison with Henry, portrait of a serial killer, and that's not really fair. Plus, when it comes to Cyrus in general... At the end of the movie, you really don't get into his mind at all. You don't know how he ticks. You don't know what he's thinking or feeling or anything. He just kills. That's really all you ever see him doing. Ultimately, it didn't. The, the movie kind of went haywire in the last act for me. It kind of fell apart. I, I like the, nar the narration of some of the murders and how he went about killing the, the girls um, and how he would keep them caged up. Yeah. And have one watch the other ones die. Yeah, ghoulish stuff. That was... But I'm not usually one to like the murder type scenes. Yeah. And this one really didn't bother me from a, from that perspective, but mm -hmm. it was kind of intense. It was, Yeah, this, the scene when the three girls are meeting their demises, sorry, spoiler, but you know that already, is very intense. And they set up something, well, I mean, they give you something like with Blair, like they did with the Blair Witch Project. Right at the top of the Blair Witch Project, they said, these kids ha are not coming home. We already know that these three girls... Whatever happened to them, they don't make it out. And so they spent a long time with this scene. And there are points where I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl's going to get away. And then I'm going, no, she's not. We already know she's not. 
And for some people, I know that made it worse. Like, it was so boring because you knew the girls were going to die anyway. For me, it made it worse. Because I'm invested in you three, and I know you're going to die. I see you fighting like hell. I see you using your brain, but I know no matter what you do, you're not getting out of here tonight. And how uncomfortable it makes the cameraman and the reporter to hear this yeah. uh, as the tension builds because the tension is, are they going to actually get out of here tonight? There's, there was one thing in here that I thought was really creepy. Um, there was a scene fairly early on after he opens up the road stand and he's talking about, Cyrus is talking about how he gets the meat. And they show this little montage of him hunting deer. But then all of a sudden, in this montage, it's not deer anymore. It's women. You see this series of women all running through this, you know, cornfield. It kind of looked like a douche commercial if it had different music. You know, they're running through, <laughs> running, like panicking through this cornfield kind of thing. Or field of wheat, I should say. They're all wearing the same gauzy nightgown with their titties hanging out. And I'm going, wow. And T Freddie and I were laughing. We're like, well, that's convenient that everybody's got the titties hanging out already. And we laughed about it. But then later on, much later on, that's explained why that's going on. And it's creepy. Essentially, as a serial killer, he's basically killing his wife over and over again. He forces some of them to wear her nightgown and breastfeed the corpse of their dead baby. And it's awful. And that's, I guess, when a lot of them get away, but then they don't get away. And Anyway, uh, it was creepy. I liked it. Uh, the movie fell apart for me in the last reel. Like I said, once it comes back to what's going on right now, it fizzled. Uh, I think I need to watch it again. The sound, to be honest, was not great in this particular room, but the big twist was not a big twist, and then it got silly. To me, it kind of made sense, but it didn't tie up neatly uh, in terms of motive. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I've been looking at it online and stuff. The reviews, and, you know, other people from Horror Home Weekend, the reviews have been savage for this movie. I mean, really, really, really bad. I don't know. Maybe it's because we just came out of Lethal Obsession. I was going to say, maybe, exactly. It looked, it looked so high-end budget compared to Lethal Obsession. But it was high-end budget. I mean, these are, I mean, you don't know these people in the film, but these are all you know, the gods of the industry. And oh, by the way, Doug Jones is in this. Jo Doug Jones is making his first appearance uh, of the weekend as, as, a, as a psychiatrist in these montage right. scenes that you, know, that you see from the Last Steps program. This isn't even the worst film we've seen at the Horror Hound Weekends. God, actually, this has been the best movie weekend that I've had there. I mean, we have gone through weekends of fucking clunkers. The last time we were in Indianapolis, my God, everything was awful. Like, awful, 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 awful. Yeah, I kind of I love this weekend in terms of the movies. Yeah, so you know what? If you didn't like it, fuck you. I think it's worth a rental when it comes out. Miley Cyrus, Mind of a Serial Killer. Watch it while eating Sloppy Joe's. Now the time has finally come for me to detail all of the drunken debauchery that went on on Friday night at Horror Hound Weekend. But I'm discovering I can't really do a good job of that because it turns out I was a lot drunker than I thought I was because, you see, Mr. Brad and I, we started early. We fortunately had cocktails before we sat down to watch Lethal Obsession. Uh, but this was the first time we decided to try Red Bull and vodka, so we had a nice you know, our little squeezy cups full of them, and so we're lugging them around all day. And at first, we were both like, blah, this is disgusting. But, you know, after three or four, you're like, this is pretty good. 
It's not like I was slosho the whole weekend, but I had enough of a buzz going on that things were a blur. So I'm going to need some help getting all these memories straight. But I can promise you this, in the next episode, which is going to be coming out extremely quickly on the heels of this one, when I detail day two of what went on, you're going to find out what happened at at karaoke night at the gay bar. You'll also find out the horrible thing that bonded me forever to Corey Feldman. You'll also find out why butt plug is the magic word of the day, possibly of the millennium. And you'll also find out who creamed in everybody's mouth. Ew. But that's for next time. But I do have to say this. I have to send a huge thank you out to Mr. Paul Red, who, in addition to being awesome, kindly and generously utilized the donate button on the webpage. You know, www.screamqueens.com. So, Paul Red, thank you so much. That was so generous of you. And for that, you are also in the running for Scream Queen of the Week. I know there's so many of you. And of course, I would be lacking if I did not mention the fact that I finally met Clevo Sam, one of our listeners. And Clevo Sam, get this, folks, made me a tiara. Yeah, maybe my very own tiara that says Scream Queens proudly displayed right on top of it. Unfortunately, I couldn't wear it around the hotel a lot because those people were fucking drunk and this thing was fragile. Fragile and delicate, much like myself. But it's gorgeous and I love it. And for that, Clevo Sam making me my very own tiara in addition to the one I already have. You are the Scream Queen of the Week. Bravo! Bravo! Oh, this must be such a magical moment for you. And you know what? You can make your own fucking tiara because you're not getting one of mine. Nah. But you know what, Sam? I want you to take a moment. I want you to take a moment to look behind you and look at all the people that you trampled on to get the award this week. Look at all those poor other nominees. We're all sitting there thinking, it's an honor just to be nominated, but who's wearing the crown, bitch? You. Who's not wearing it? Them. Just take a moment to look back, smile, do your best princess wave, and say, eat it, losers! <laughs> and now to entertain those of you who weren't in Harham Weekend, let's take a look in my nightmare closet. And it's not the dust bunnies you need to be afraid of. That was weird. Beware. Beware. Something's about to come out. Out of the closet. The nightmare closet. <laughs> So, The Nightmare Closet is the portion of the show where I go back and I revisit a movie from my childhood. Normally, it's something that gave me horrible nightmares or freaked me out for a really long time, and I go back and re-examine it as an adult. This one is a little different. This movie didn't particularly scare me at the time. However, it's caused lasting damage, like to this day damage. What kind of damage? Well, you'll have to wait. Better question, what fucking movie are we talking about? Well, we are talking about The Legacy from 1978, starring Catherine Ross and, ooh, Sam Elliott. Let's see what horrors the trailer holds. Jason Mount Olive is a man with many friends. Jason will give you such a wealth. 
to each he has given anything. You will fulfill every whim. And everything. Every fancy. They've ever desired. Every dream. Trust, Jason. Now they've been reunited for one last time. Each to receive one last gift. The legacy. When he calls us, we come. No! Six have come to claim his inheritance. Five discover the lifeless body. Four watch in horror as another dies. Then there were three. Then two. But only one can receive the legacy. Catherine Ross. Sam Elliott. And Roger Daltrey. The legacy. A birthright of living death. A Birthright of Living Death? You know, it's probably been 30 years since the first time I've seen this movie, and I still don't know what that tagline has to do with anything. Anyway, so we're talking about the legacy. Now, I know a lot of you out there, people of you who are in a certain age bracket, the certain age bracket of people who had HBO back in the early 80s, perhaps? You know, back when it wasn't on for 24 hours? Yes. When it came on at 6 o'clock at night and it went off at 2 o'clock in the morning? Yes. And they basically showed the same two movies back and forth and back and forth and back and forth all night? And then they repeated that sequence every other day, as opposed to now when they just repeat the same movies over and over again for like 24 hours for a whole month. But that's not the point right now. Yes, this was one of those HBO movies that was on constantly. And because HBO was new and exciting and cool, you watched it no matter what was on, no matter how many times you've already seen it. So this one has a special place in my heart just for nostalgia reasons. I haven't seen it since then, so it was kind of interesting to go back and visit it. But what's it about, Patrick? Well, goddammit, keep your shirt on, I'm gonna tell you. Okay, now in this movie, Catherine Ross plays Maggie Walsh, and she's this architect, or an interior designer, I don't know, some shit with building shit, or something. She's got her hunky boyfriend, Pete Danner, played by the Super 70s stud, Sam Elliott. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the current Sam Elliott, well, time has not been kind to him. But let me tell you about Sam Elliott back in the day. This guy was Marlboro Man, 70s porn, Harry Reams-style hotness. Bitchin' mustache, hairy chest, beautiful body, big rugged Texas drawl voice, and a great actor, so just sexy all around. Anybody remember that TV movie called Lifeguard? Anyone else? have some kind of early burgeoning awakening to that but that's not the point we're not talking about lifeguard we're talking about the legacy anyway she's an architect and she gets this deal from a client over in england somewhere and it's a client she's never met and they've only been corresponding through the phone and through mail and it's this huge amount of money to go over and do some renovation on his house and she's like great it's a gazillion dollars let's go sam Elliott's suspicious about all this from the start he's like well i don't think you should go but you know they go together whatever and then we get to see them riding around the English countryside on their motorcycle while the opening credits roll. And during the credits, we're treated to the love theme from The Legacy. isn't it? Just really sets the tone for a spooky horror movie, doesn't it? Totally. Nothing says scary horror movie like a song sung by Kiki D. Yeah, that's Kiki D. 
as in like Elton John and Kiki D, as in don't go breaking my heart. I couldn't if I tried. Terrifying, right? Anyway, so they're jetting about the English countryside on their motorcycle, and all of a sudden they get into this accident with a limousine in the middle of nowhere. You know, limousine stops, and and out pops Jason Mount Olive, and he's all British, and he's all sorry, and he's like, oh, you simply must come to my state for tea while we have repairs done on your vehicle. And Sam Elliott's like, I don't know, I don't trust this guy. Sam Elliott's the negative Nancy for this whole movie, FYI. He's the voice of reason, but do they listen to Sam Elliott? No, they get in a limousine, and they go off to this guy's house. Oh, did I say house? I'm in freaking sprawling estate. This old queen's living in a goddamn mansion. The Ravenhurst Mansion, which I thought was one of the houses in Harry Potter, but no, I was wrong. Anyway, they're like, okay, we'll stay for tea. But then it quickly becomes evident that they are not going anywhere. Because you see, there's this nurse that lives there, this creepy old nurse, and she's all dressed in white and everything, and she's all old, and she's got like pinchy face, and she's got those little teeny tiny pinchy face glasses, and she's always just like, oh... We'll have your luggage brought in. They're like, no, we're not staying. She's like, oh, I'll bring it in anyway. And every time they try to leave, she's always like, oh, no, the the shop called. Your motorcycle needs a part and it's shipped in. I'm so sorry. We're very rural out here. And every time she talks, I just want to punch this old bitch in the face. I'm like, fuck you. And every time you see she's being all creepy with the staff, like the woman will walk in and the nurse is talking to the staff and the whole room will go... And she'll be like, can I help you, Miss Walsh? And they're all looking at her like, we weren't talking about anything. No, 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 we're not doing anything creepy at all. Fuck you, creepy nurse. Fuck you, creepy staff. So, you know, they realize they're not going anywhere. So what else are you going to do in a strange house? Well, you're going to have sex, naturally. So her and Sam Elliott get it on. And the only reason I could see for them to get it on is for him to take a shower afterwards because Sam Elliott's shower scene is worth the price of a rental, girls. You get a little naked butt action, which is nice, but you get the wet hairy chest then the lathering and there's no point to this 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 shower scene has nothing to do with the rest of the film except to make me happy and it does really happy but then all of a sudden there's a helicopter landing outside and all these other people are getting up these five other people show up and they're on like furs and they have their they're young and they're old and they wear great clothes and they're just like hoity toity toity and they're like what the fuck are these people doing here how many people are staying here well six to be accurate as a matter of fact anyway now they're being forced to stay for dinner so you know after dinner all of a sudden you know they're i forget they're retiring to bed and the nurse corners maggie and she's like i'm sorry mr mount olive has requested your presence upstairs and she's like uh okay so she goes upstairs and it's his room his room is like a big old hospital room. It's like a big sheet of plastic, and there's all these oxygen tents and giant like equipment going like all this crazy stuff. And the other five guests are sitting there in their little folding chairs, looking all solemn. And she's like, "What is this?" And the nurse is like, "Sit your ass down." She's like, "Okay." And all of a sudden, it's like a light show. The lights go down on them. The lights go up in the oxygen tent and you hear this creepy ass voice you know gurgling and splurging and you suddenly realize this 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 voice is reading his will and all of a sudden maggie realizes okay i'm inheriting something i'm not supposed to be here and the nurse is like yes you are sit your ass down don't make me tell you again i'm like slap her slap that nurse in the face and the voice is all like welcome to you all my legacy is past of you wears is the symbol of power, the power that brings us together. To you, I bequeath my power. 
But then the voices are like, Now, Margaret, come to me and receive the blessing of the ring. Now she gets up there and she's just like, Ooh, it smells in here. Oh my God, it smells. And then the next thing you know, the curtains part and boom, this big clippy claw hand comes bursting out and grabs her with its nasty nails. It's like all old and liver spotty and hairy and blutchy and blotchy. And she's like, ah! And, the, and then another hand comes out and jams a ring on her finger. A ring, the Ravenhurst insignia. Which is, not surprisingly, a raven. And she's like, Wah! And then he cuts her scene. She can't get this bitch off. She's rubbing and scrubbing. She's gone under the hot water. And she can't get this bitch off. And she's crying. And Sam Elliott's like, Oh, I told you we shouldn't have come here. Watch. Why don't we go back and let's do another shower scene? Okay, maybe I was just saying that. Anyway, now Maggie or we have any idea what the fuck is going on. Because the guy they met this afternoon, Jason Manal, was middle-aged and healthy. And the thing upstairs was like 85 million years old and thick as a dog. But they're both Jason Mon Olive? How is that possible? The next day, everybody starts dying. One by one by one by one by one. And we come to realize that somebody is killing off all of the other guests in order to be the only one left to get the inheritance. But they're doing it by witchcraft. Because that's what Jason's got to give. They're all in league with the devil. And Jason is their leader. And has been for a long time. Like a really, really long time. Time. Dun, dun, dun. Now, going back and watching this as an adult, there's a lot of things about this movie that's still working for me. First of all, it's based on a novel by John Coyne, uh, C-O-Y-N-E, who was a fairly prolific horror writer. I don't know how successful his stuff was, apparently successful enough to make a movie out of one of his books, but the only other book of his that I read was a book called The Searing. I read that when I was like 11 years old, and it turns out about this town, of, it's a town, British town, where all of a sudden women start having orgasms spontaneously, and they're so powerful, their brains explode. Yeah, 11 years old, that kind of threw me for a loop. Mom, what does this mean? She's like, what? <laughs> then again, that's normally how my mother is about everything. Anyway, the cast in this is really fun. I love Catherine Ross, she's always great. Uh, if you don't know who she is, shame on you, but... Uh, she was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid back in the day with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. And for genre fans, she was in the original Stepford Wives. And more recently, she came out of retirement to play the psychiatrist in Donnie Darko. And you know what? Bitch still looked fantastic. You go, Catherine Ross. Sam Elliott, always delicious to look at, delicious to listen to. And did I mention he's delicious to look at? But also in the case, you got Roger Daltrey, you know, from The Who. He's not on it long, but he's a lot of fun while he's there. And rounding out the cast... <laughs> A fun character actress is Charles Gray. Charles Gray, better known as the guy with no neck from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, that guy. I think he was also a Bond villain, but for me, he'll always be the guy with no neck. Also, the atmosphere in this movie is great. The location is creepy as hell. The mood is really, really tense and off-putting, and, and it's kind of a twist in a gothic novel, sort of, and plus with some Agatha Christie, and oh boy, there's some supernatural stuff, too, so you got a little bit of everything going on, and it mixes together fairly well. And one of the things I really liked about it too is that a lot of the things in the story just go unexplained like i talked about this creepy nurse character uh there's also a white cat running around this mansion and you never see the nurse and the white cat in the same place at the same time and you start to wonder after a while are they the same is the nurse the cat is the cat the nurse what's going on there in witchcraft terms, maybe she's some sort of familiar? I don't know. They don't tell us, but it's creepy. The actress is creepy. The cat is creepy. It's all just creepy. And the poster art for this was fucked up. This is what caught my eye back in the day. When it, when it, I think it was on the cover of the HBO magazine that came in the mail, and I was like, ah! What is that? It's the cat's head. It's the white cat head. And it's this bolt of lightning cutting it off of the neck. 
And then coming out of the neck is that big clippy claw, gross old hand with the giant gross nails and everything and lightning everywhere. It's a fucked up poster. I'll have it on the website. Here's what's hit and miss with this. The deaths. They start off strong and they start to fizzle out over time. And I'm not sure if that is just that these things are not as novel as they were back in 1978, this kind of a death. You know, we're all just jaded bitches. But um, the first death is the one that has scarred me for life. It doesn't give me nightmares or anything, but it still comes up in my memory in certain situations. Like when I'm swimming in a pool by myself. Because in this scene, the beautiful Italian millionaire's call girl is going for a swim by herself in the luxurious pool that Jason has built just for her. And she's swimming and she's doing all of her beautiful aquarobics under the water. And then as she goes to surface, it's like BAM! The surface of the water has become solid, and she can't break through, and she drowns. It's really freaking disturbing. I still find it disturbing. Because, to this day, whenever I'm in a pool by myself, I like to swim underwater. That's my primary means of travel when I'm in a pool. Every time I'm under there, I'm like, wouldn't that be awful if you try to surface right now, and then all of a sudden, ba-bang! You can't get through. Like, the surface tension is so hard. I always get through it because I'm so butch and masculine and everything, but it still creeps into my head. Uh, Roger Daltrey's death is... Gross as hell. He chokes to death. And the nurse, creepy nurse, gives him an emergency tracheotomy, and the whole thing is just ghoulish. <laughs> he turns this horrible shade of purple. I'm sure the scene is less gory than it seems, but I still had trouble watching it. And one of the things that's neat about this is this is when you find, when Maggie figures out there's something wrong here because it turns out Roger Daltrey choked to death on a chicken bone. But she knows he didn't have the chicken. He had ham. But aside from this, the pace in this movie is really plodding. It does creeps along. In the middle of this, they, they try to escape from the, from the mansion at some point. They steal a limousine and then all of a sudden, we're treated to an instrumental version of the love theme. And it's like, we're having a great time driving through the countryside instead of, oh my gosh, this is a chase trying to escape for our lives. Na -na -na -na, la 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 kiki d. And it goes on forever. And then when they find out, oh my gosh, all roads lead back to ha Ravenhurst, they must do that 12 times. They must take 12 different roads. It's like, okay, we got it. Move along. Stop with the Kiki D. And one of the things I said that was great about the movie was that it didn't answer a lot of the supernatural things. However, they do dump this really heavy-handed backstory concerning Maggie and why she's there. Because, oh, by the way, there was no house she was supposed to remodel. That accident with the limousine was no accident. She was called there specifically. This is a whole heavy-handed backstory there that just lays there like a brick. And it looks at you like, aren't you surprised? And you're going, no, because you've been telling me this was coming pretty much from the first frame of the film. Overall, I think I still like it. I mean, if you're from that era, that HBO era, go back and check it out again. It's fun if you like Sam Elliott. Young Sam Elliott. <laughs> go check it out. And um, if you want to see what freaks me out, I'm going to try to put that pool scene up on YouTube because it doesn't seem to be up there. Uh, but I want you all to see what has given me the freakouts ever since. The Legacy. Check it out. Because everything's scarier with Kiki D.
There is no listener feedback for this show. It has been almost a month, and there is no listener feedback for this show. But you know what? I'm not going to be upset about it. Probably because most of my regular callers, I met I met you in our home weekend. So I guess that's supposed to count. However, I did get a couple of homework assignments sent in. Now, some of you might remember at the end of the last show, I recommended, for those of you not going to Harhan Weekend, to check out a couple of things on Netflix Instant Watch and phone in a review. And two of you out there get gold stars. And that would be Betty and her husband, Oh, whatever the hell his name is, Derwood, who cares, who very kindly, not only a review of the movie Primal, but also of High Lane. But you know what? This week, I'm just going to play Primal and save High Lane for next time, because good lord, this show is going on for a really long time. So why don't I stop talking, and let's listen to what Betty and Ding Dong have to say. But you know what? First, I'm going to play the trailer. Control Queen. Try Australia? What's wrong with rock paintings closer to home? These paintings haven't been seen for 120 years. There's something wrong with that tunnel. On you, don't be ridiculous. It's perfectly safe. I'm going swimming. Yeah, baby. (laughs) You're burning up. What's wrong with their teeth? Mel? You shouldn't be out here, Smelly. Mel? Ah! Did you see her teeth? Well, I see it, we got two options. Oh, yeah? We're the trapper, we kill her. She's coming! We have to kill her. She needs help. You need help. She needs to be dead. We're gonna die. Patrick, it's Betty. And Derwood. Hello. How are you? I'm Just good. Thought we'd chime in with a review on one of the three movies that you uh, suggested that we watch, and yes. uh, we decided to watch Primal. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a cinematic gem Primal was. Oh. Um, actually, it wasn't that bad. No. Well, well, it was a bad movie, but we had bad. fun watching it. And we were That's drinking, we should mention, at the time. Um, we laughed more than we were scared. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, so, Primal, um, well, at first we thought, uh, you know, here we go with the cliche car ride to the destination for the setup, and uh, oh, the acting was terrible, the uh-huh. dialogue was yeah. horrible. <laughs> I think it was that um, bad. And uh, the blonde girl um, who did become the first victim, she was so obnoxious. She just wanted her to just be gone right away. Die faster! It was bad. And so she gets mad and she decides to go skinny dipping. 
Yeah. In her bra and panties. I guess that's skinny dipping. Yeah. I think that was one of Darren's main complaints <laughs> no. about the film. Well, not main complaints, but, you know, I'm sure as a guy, he would like to see a boob or two. And there were boobs. Got nothing. Nothing. Okay. Just bra and panties. That's Lies. it. That's all you're Lies. getting. So she goes into the water and um, comes up full of leeches. Um, and we thought at first this was going to be cabin fever. Not that there's anything wrong with cabin fever, but, yeah. uh, you know, you we thought it was going to be a ripoff. Exactly. The whole water thing. But no, she ends up turning into this toothy demon who, uh, you know, goes crazy and takes down kangaroos and, uh, you know, <laughs> terrorizes her friends who, by the way, want to kill her immediately. And yeah. <laughs> what good Great friends, friends they are. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, mayhem ensues. But uh, I thought that it had good sound design, nice uh, sound oh, effects and stuff. Except for the girl's scream. Yeah, um, she wasn't that scary. They didn't put any effects on her voice when she no. turned. And no. when the guy turned, oh, spoiler alert, when the guy <laughs> turns, they put effects on his voice. But she just went, ah! <laughs> Which really wasn't that threatening. And, and I must say that a monster in pink capris just isn't scary. No matter how you... How you want to bet? To make her, I don't see how that could be frightening at all. Um, but anyway, I mean, again, it was good fun, I guess. Uh, had a crazy rabbit with some big, sharp needle teeth. <laughs> that was the best and, part. Uh, oh, and no exploding vagina, but there was a vagina cave. Yes, there was. Yes, they there was. suspiciously like a vagina. And <laughs> it had things inside that wanted to rape women and impregnate them. And uh, it was just nuts. It was crazy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, all in all, uh, it was okay. Um, yeah, uh, it had a terrible campfire song. Um, the guy was singing. Oh um, God, that Darren was pointed out that they were playing that in the end credits. And yeah, so I guess somebody liked that song. I would have never recognized <laughs> it. But anyway, it was a hoot. Um, yeah, thanks, Patrick. I yeah. feel so much more enlightened now that I've seen Prime. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. We'll talk to you later. See ya. Okay. Well, not see you, but oh. you know. I'll see you. Oh, yeah, and by the way, who the yes. fuck is Simon? What? 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 Simon? Derwood, you just completely knocked me off my rails. I, 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 I was about to lay into you about something else. What are you talking about? Betty? Betty, is Derwood supposed to be on some kind of medication? Because he seems to be speaking all crazy like. I don't know who the fuck Simon is. Uh, Simon is the guy who invented that game. You know, that goes beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. Okay, I don't know. I don't know who Simon is. You completely have fucked up my whole thing. I This whole show is ruined. God! You're not invited to play anymore. Anyway, Derwood and Betty, there is so nudity when she goes skinny dipping. Yeah, there wasn't there in the front half of the thing, but when she comes out, you got boobs covered in leeches. They were waggling around while they were trying to get them off, and I believe you saw a little bit of cooter as well. So don't you be telling me that I didn't give you any booby. I gave you boobies. Okay, maybe, you know, tits and leeches are not your thing. Is that my problem? No. You want boobies? You got boobies. I don't want to hear no more complaining. But seriously, thank you guys for calling in your review. At least someone did their homework. You can't see it because this is audio, but I'm glaring at the rest of you. I'm glowering, no less. Anyway, as, uh, as Betty and Durwood suggested, Primal is the story of these five, I don't know, I guess archaeology students who are going out into the middle of nowhere to find these cave paintings that, that haven't been seen in 150 years that the main dude is doing his thesis on or something. Anyway, it puts them out in the middle of nowhere in this creepy cave 
And uh, as they said, there's some kind of curse on it. There's some sort of weird thing going on in there. It's not really clear what's happening. Uh, you know, they hang out. They have fun. They get attacked by a mutant rabbit, which for some reason bothers nobody. This rabbit, this jackrabbit, has got these jacked-up teeth, like teeth so big its mouth can't close, like razor needle teeth. Like, think one of those angler fish. You know, with the little light that, like, hangs over its mouth and, you know, goes like, Hey, little fishy, come and look at the pretty light that is like, bah, bah, bah. That's what it's like. But they're like, hey, look at the mutant rabbit. That's, that's, that's really funny. And they hang it on a stick because they, they kill it and they hang it on a stick. I'm like, no, there can't be any freaky radiation around here or it can't possibly have any friends or relatives. But again, like I say, the bimbo girl gets pissed off. She goes skinny dipping. She gets covered in leeches. And shortly afterwards, she starts running a fever. She starts running a fever. And by the next day, she's, you know, hallucinating. And then eventually all her teeth fall out. And she grows these giant fangs just like the bunny. And next thing you know, she's super crazy demon girl. Yes, she is wearing pink capri pants. But I challenge you, dear word. There are very scary things running around in pink capri pants. Why don't you take a walk with me through the East Village sometime, shall we? Or better yet, Times Square during the summer. Because one side, you're going to get like willowy wisps of men wearing them. You know, like guys in capri pants. Okay, it's a big, big taboo for me. But on the other hand, you go into Times Square and you're going to get the tourists. You're going to get the 300-pound ladies. 300-pound ladies squeezed into those capri pants and they're just bulging. And oh my gosh, no. Well, you know, there are scary things in capri pants is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, the girl gets possessed. And yeah, well, actually, no, Betty. That's not true. They don't immediately try to kill her. They immediately decide to um, capture her or kill her. Here's where the thing started to break down for me because, like I said, I thought the acting was okay. It was adequate for what they were doing. But all of a sudden, you had the characters that just started doing things that didn't make any sense. Like, her boyfriend's like, no, you can't kill her. Even after she killed somebody, she's like, he's like, no, you can't kill her. She's still in there somewhere. Yeah, she's still eating her way in the whole forest, like drug, dragging around body parts. And he's like, no, no, she's still my girlfriend, right? But then when one of the guys gets bitten, they're like, yeah, we got to kill him, but we're not going to kill her, right? <sighs> and this guy is the reason why everybody gets killed. You know how I hate that. Now, one of the reasons why I did enjoy the film, even though it has a low budget, the special effects are pretty good to a point. And I'm going to say to a point because I'm going to come back to that. It's pretty gory. It's pretty fun. And the guy who plays the, the leader of the archaeology students is really quite something. And they make damn sure that he has a shirt off whenever possible. And believe me, boys, that is worth your time for the rental. And even the, even what's better, he's starting to turn. I'm sorry, spoiler. Not much of a spoiler. It's in the trailer. He's starting to turn. And the first thing he does is like, oh, my God, I'm infected. And he rips his shirt off. So when he's running around like a primal animal, he's at least got a shirt off. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, the weird thing about this film, she's not just running around eating people. She brings the lower halves of whatever she eats to this mysterious cave. Whatever is in the cave, she's afraid of. So there's a whole mystery. What's in the cave? What is she all about? Why is she bringing them under parts? No, it's everything from the waist down. She'll eat everything from the waist up and then be like, here, here's the butt. But, well, I think uh, Betty ruined that for you. But there's something in the cave that's trying to get things pregnant. And here's where it falls apart because the CGI that happens in the cave, all of a sudden it goes from practical effects to CGI and the CGI is terrible. Terrible. I mean, not Birdemic terrible, but also not really Sci-Fi Channel good either. And understand the dichotomy I'm saying there. I mean, this big monster kind of looks like a very well. It's like a mean grape with teeth. I don't know how else to describe it. I was like, oh, okay. Really, I thought for a B movie for, with beer and some friends, you can have a worse time. I enjoyed it to a degree. 
It's flawed, but I had fun. And if you didn't like it, well, you can go, I don't want to hear about it. Why don't you go complain to Simon? But I can't be too mad at you for doing your homework. Betty Durwood, gold stars. I'm hanging your work on the refrigerator. The rest of you, detention, detention, detention. And for your punishment, I want you to sit in the corner and think about what you've done until it's time for the next show. Because it is time for me to wrap this puppy up. I hope you enjoyed our visit to just the first damn day of Horror Hound Weekend. I'm going to be trying to crank out the next episode within the next week because I got a special Easter present for you. Yeah, I have to review this movie called Easter Bunny Kill Kill. Because if I get it to you after Easter, it's not as cool. So I have to get it to you soon. Damn it. I'm saying that out loud. I'm saying it here. I'm putting my word in... Well, I guess it's not stone. In weird wavy lines and audacity. But anyway, I enjoyed this call and reviewing thing. Not that it's just making my job easier. I like getting y'all involved in some sort of organized fashion. Zombart just calling in whenever the hell you want to review. That's not cool. Anyway, this is not exactly a homework assignment. This is a strong suggestion. I noticed that both on the Sci-Fi Channel on and on Netflix Instant Watch, they now have Harper's Island available for viewing. Now, uh, for those of you who don't remember it, Harper's Island was the miniseries uh, summer... I don't know what they called it. They called it an event. It wasn't a miniseries so much. It ran in the summer. I guess it was two years ago, maybe? And it was basically a slasher movie that stretched out over 16 weeks. I thought it was fascinating. I know a lot of people had a lot of problems with it, but I'm telling you why I think it's worth your time watching. First of all, it's gory as hell. For something that's made for primetime major television network, it's gory as hell. And I think the characters are fun and the setting is fun. The story gets a little haywire, but here's the thing. Even when things are haywire, a slasher movie is normally over in an hour and a half. And you never get any character development. Everybody's just these stereotype or ice or, you know, trope characters. I almost said isotope characters, but that makes no sense. But here, you've got 16 hours to get to know these people. And you know what? When somebody gets butchered, because like I said, nobody dies easy in this. These people get torn apart. When somebody that you've spent, you know, 12, 13 hours getting to know and that you really like gets torn up in front of you, it's really affecting, surprisingly affecting. There were at least two episodes that I turned off and felt like I had been punched in the gut. I was so disturbed by what had happened. That feeling remained for days after, and I thought that was extraordinary. So, hey, if you people have not watched Harper's Island yet, you've got two chances now. It's on Sci-Fi Channel and Netflix Instant Watch. Check it out for me. Have I ever led any of you wrong? Shut up, Betty. Shut up, Derwood. Have I led any of you wrong? Go check it out. Anyway, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thank you for your patience in waiting for me to get this episode finally out to you. I promise I'm not going to do it again. I'm changing my format back to the always. And, um, hey, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z. Or you can give us a call at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. And as always, you are free to buy me a frozen margarita anytime. So until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Somebody better bring me my booze. It's time for me to take my pills. Bye. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>